You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. And we're back with an all-new Keep It. This is Ira. Kara. Luis. The three of us were all in Palm Springs this weekend. We were. I was sweaty as like a Tanya Harding mugshot all weekend. (laughs) Just bangs in my eyes. Luis with his cut off. The guns were out. Oh, yeah. There's not much reason to put them away there. It's really a, a, a safe zone to be your gunny self there. Listen, the only thing you and Tommy Laren have in common, you love your guns. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Is she the one who had gun heels or something? No, she posed with like a gun in her... In like, her yoga pants. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Deeply glamorous. I love doing yoga with a gun. Uh, just makes me feel safe. <laughs> Downward dog. And it lets Equinox know that they better not raise those prices. I thought it was pretty relaxing. It was nice. We were all in different houses, but we all managed to converge a yeah. couple times. Mm-hmm. I had more, I think, antiquing adventures than you did. Like, I was confronted with... More or any at all. That's you what know I mean. what? Yes. Do you, I, like, did, did I want none to... None of fit... us went antiquing, <laughs> Lewis. We're not Jessica Fletcher. You gotta go there, and you gotta be confronted with the question, do you want a $15 string art of an owl? And then you say, yes, and then you buy it. And then it gets in your luggage and is ruined. The radical difference in our experiences <laughs> in the same city is pretty incredible. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he was up Early in the morning, texting me about his shopping adventures. Mm -hmm. He did find Catherine Deneuve's. Oh, star on the Walk of Fame. Oh, nice. Palm Springs Walk of Fame is so amazing. It's like people who are on Dallas, you know, that kind of celebrity. (laughs) I spent the weekend half submerged in a pool reading. I feel like I've been tweeting about this book, but it's called The Truth About Animals by Lucy Cook. And it is wild, guys. I learned crazy shit about penguins and pandas. Nobody knows how eels have sex. If anyone needs another fun summer book recommendation, The Truth About Animals. It was crazy. Do you know what the young of eels are called? Elvers. What a disgusting word. Moving on. (laughs) I saw the snippet of some shit with hyenas. Oh, yeah. Hyenas are super smart. They have this like social pattern where the way we do it, where we have like our families, but then also recognize a larger community. Like Pablo Escobar flew hippos to Colombia. So now there's like a whole bunch of hippos in Colombia that are turning into a new species of hippos. It is crazy. This woman is such a funny writer. Get into it. I love animal gossip. Yeah, you would love it's very gossipy. Where are gossipy. they hanging out? It's very gossipy. Wow. I, I think we're going to have to introduce Keep It Book Club I at know. this point at yeah. some point. I would talk about reading Ronan Farrow's new book, but we've talked about that enough on Crooked Media. So, uh, we're gonna. What are you reading, Lewis? What uh, I'm rereading uh, the Carpenter's biography yet again. <laughs> Keep finding new things to love. It's like anyway, where's Waldo? Anyway, coming up later <laughs> in the episode is Brian Fuller, creator of TV series like Hannibal and Pushing Daisies. We're gonna talk about that new Star Wars movie. Ooh. Brian Fuller rules. Previously on the Kardashians of our lives, <laughs> there was too much fucking drama <laughs> between Kanye, Kim, Pusha T, Drake, Rhymefest, and also Nicki Minaj over Chris, the weekend. Chrissy Teigen was peeking her head in. Everyone's right. a tentacle and a suspect. Because we were all on Memorial Day vacation, I made no attempt to understand what was going on (laughs) until literally yesterday. I kept looking at my phone and seeing people on Twitter reacting to things. I was like, you know what? I don't want this. And now I understand that this all started with Pusha T's new album, Daytona. Yes. Which I already did not want to fuck with because the album cover is Whitney Houston's drug-filled bathroom. Which Kanye West bought the picture rights of. For $85,000. Yes. So on one of his songs, Infrared, 
He comes for Drake with the line, it was written like Nas, but it came from Quentin. The lyric pinning equal to Trump's winning. The bigger question is how the Russians did it. It was written like Nas, but it came from Quentin. At the mercy of a game where the code is missing. And if we all remember Drake's beef with Meek Mill, Meek Mill alleged that Drake had a ghostwriter named Quentin. So Drake had to have his own freestyle that he released immediately. And it the was... fastest ever. I mean, it was within <laughs> but, 24 but hours. Am I wrong? You, I mean, I'll say this. Like, one, Drake is very good at this game. He's very good at the internet. Clearly, he knew that the diss was... Someone was like, yo, Drake, Pusha T said some crazy shit about you. Because within, like... Five hours. It was something crazy from like when people realized it was happening to like when it came out. And I'm like, someone told Drake. It's like responding to a Yo Mama joke with an entire monologue. It makes no <laughs> sense. Yes, I just appreciated this freestyle because there was a recent Nicki Minaj interview where she talked about how she heard the beat for Chun-Li and she just had to get in the studio and started freestyling right off the dome. You know, I freestyled that King Kong bit right on the spot. And I'm like, you are giving an interview about how you rhymed King Kong with King Kong eight times <laughs> in a song, and that, that's your freestyle moment. She had to get right in the studio and prove it to you <laughs> that those words sort of rhyme. So Drake hit back with some lyrics of his own. Must have had your infrared wrong, now your head in a beam. Y'all are the spitting image of whatever jealousy breathes. Don't push me when I'm in album mode. You're not even top five as far as your label talent goes. You said well, he tweeted out and Instagrammed a fake <laughs> invoice <really> to <laughs> Kanye West and good music for, quote, promotional assistance and career reviving of Pusha T. That's like carrot top level <laughs> prop comedy. It's great. For $100,000. Uh, and then. And, and then <laughs> Rhymefest, a producer and rapper in Chicago, replied to Drake that when Kanye pays him that money, Drake should give it to Donda House in Chicago because Kanye allegedly said, fuck the youth of Chicago. Mm. This is a charity started in his mother's name. And then... <laughs> Kim Kardashian <laughs> hopped on Twitter and started dragging the fuck out of Rhymefest with some wild Dumb and pretty shit. rude uh, attacks talking about how he had fake Yeezys, talking about how he was more interested in Kanye trying to listen to his beats. And then Rhymefest responded with a very reasonable note. Kind of like a, a real low-key ether. Yes, saying that he was really all about the charity and he would appreciate it if Kanye and Kim, you know, put any effort into a charity that is named after Kanye's late mother. He said he, Kim had also tweeted, like, none of my followers know who you are, Rhymefest. Rhymefest was like, I don't give a fuck if those dummies know who I am or not. <laughs> he was like, I don't care if they know. And you know who does know Rhymefest? It's Kanye West, because you know what Rhymefest wrote? Jesus walks, homie. So mm. don't even act like we don't all know who Rhymefest is. Also, Kim, you were last week pushing Supre oh, yeah, like, appetite suppressants to your followers, so <laughs> they're too fucking hungry to know who anybody <laughs> is. <laughs> this had everybody going back and forth Ooh. on the timeline. Ooh. Chrissy Teigen responded to Kim with Ooh. a gif of Kim to, you know, sort of like, egg her on and then people started coming for can Chrissy i also Teigen. say chrissy Teigen? you know what else Rhymefest wrote glory which your man got an oscar for so you all need to fall the fuck back all of you <laughs> Nicki minaj by the way got involved <laughs> with the earlier drama by defending drake against Pusha t which is extra rude because <laughs> she never defended her man meek mill when drake was attacking him like two years ago uh. It was a lot. Like, let's go back briefly to the original sort of drama, which was, it's Quentin Miller, this guy who, that was originally where Meek Will was like, he writes Drake's raps. And then it revives this whole conversation about, like, him having a ghostwriter and things like that. And, like, I feel like, one, that conversation is so tired. And also, when rap music is the most popular music 
in the on the in the country right now. It's pop music. And so do you ever expect huge pop songs where it wasn't like a singer songwriter penning these things? Like you've always had multiple writers. Yeah, everything comes from a factory. Yes. Yeah. And so to act like to all of a sudden like getting your feelings about Drake having writers who he credits. He's not out here acting like these people aren't working on them. You can find these people in the credits. And also, when's the last time Kanye wrote a song by himself? Honestly. Honestly. Mm -hmm. And they think that they're throwing down some sort of, oh yeah, Drake didn't write that song by itself. We know. It's in the it's in the liner notes. That's why we have a difference between produced pop hip hop albums and when a rapper decides to release like a mixtape. Yeah. It's the difference between I'm making songs that I want to hit number one on Billboard. And Drake always hits number one on Billboard. The pop girls wish they could hit yeah, number I one mean, on Billboard. Michael Jackson wasn't writing those songs alone. Like it's oh, yeah. it's weird that all of a sudden now you're really concerned with whether or not it's just Drake freestyling in the booth the whole time. Like, who cares? Can I bring up somewhat ancient, not a problem I have with Drake, but something that has always bothered me? You know how he used to be obsessed with Aaliyah? Like, he has an Aaliyah oh, tattoo, I think. A, oh, yeah. he has multiple. I saw him give an interview once about why that was, because I thought that was pretty fascinating. And he said, like, three things that I thought were all annoying. One, he's like, well, she would be my girlfriend now, as if that's a reason to admire somebody. Two, he was like, she, she had, like, a... She kept it G. She was never overly emotional, literally calling her a woman who can hang. Hated that. And then third, he said, her lyrics were so witty. Aaliyah never wrote any lyrics. <laughs> Not one time. <laughs> you want to talk about witty lyrics? Let's bring up head snap Carly Simon. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> I just also feel like Kim Kardashian looked like a dummy. Just a house yeah, full of good. house full not of dummies good. over there in Calabasas. Like Kanye doesn't know what he's talking about. Kim was like, I'm gonna give the charity to my kids. Like, bitch, what are you like what Your are you children talking are about? Four. Yeah. It You're just gonna was... <laughs> let this charity die for like ten years, yeah. fifteen years until they're old enough to run a charity. What's wild too is that this bubbled over it possibly because it was Memorial Day weekend and nobody had shit to do. Mm -hmm. This bubbled over into every form of Twitter. Um, <laughs> like, not just like Kim Kardashian or like pop or hip hop mm -hmm. Twitter. Like, Roxanne Gay <laughs> responded to Kim because Kim tweeted out, I will always ride for my man. Ugh. And Roxanne Gay responded, Does he ride for you though? Woo! That's a greeting card. <laughs> I tweeted at Kim the car was out of gas. Can I just, on, I will lastly say, there is a reason Beyonce a few years ago was like, I don't fuck with these people anymore. And she knew. Kanye's out here saying, fuck the youth of Chicago. Kim doesn't know what the hell she's talking about. And Beyonce was in the Hamptons with her hair braided. And she's like, I do not bless this union. No, she's in some sort of like Mamma Mia like Grecian Tower. She knew. She knew. Right, she because knew. the ultimate problem here is the fact that Donna House a charity in Kanye West's mother's name is broke. Yeah. And changed their name, by the way, at the, through the end Just of this. Now. They yeah. changed their name because they don't want to be associated with Kanye and West And Kanye anymore. spent $85,000 on a photo of Whitney Houston's drug-filled bathroom, disrespecting the fuck out of her memory mm -hmm. to put on a Pusha T album cover. And Dumb you had is. people caping on Twitter being like, if you listen to the content of Pusha T's album, you would know that the Whitney Houston cover is appropriate. I'm like, fuck out of here. It's not right, and it's not okay. How about that? Thunderpuss remix. Are you done, Susan? <laughs> Keep It is brought to you by Barefoot Dreams. Lewis? Yes? When you see footprints in the sand, that was when I carried you in my Barefoot Dreams robe. Now, is that a Leona Lewis song? <laughs> no? Uh, if you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially now as the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite luxe home blanket. And while many have attempted to duplicate their blankets, robes, and more, Barefoot Dreams' fabrication and quality cannot be replicated, so don't believe the dupes. Girl, this blanket is it. I 
effing love this blanket. I'm thinking about it right now, and I want to jump in my bed, which is sponsored by something that we'll do another ad for momentarily. Get ready. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Jesus, get a life, Oprah. My God. <laughs> Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. Their products make the perfect gifts, too. Uh, I throw this thing on. I wear it like a shawl. I look exactly like Ellen Burstyn. And <laughs> I am the coziest a human being can be. Because, by the way, it's still that time in Los Angeles where it's, like, pretty mild outside. And then your apartment is cold. I can't explain mm. it. I don't know things like basic science. For Keep It listeners, you can get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code KEEPIT15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. Escape to Ocean City, Maryland, and discover a place that just feels lighter, where every day feels like Saturday and French fries are a food group, where flip-flops are always in fashion and seafood is always in season where the boardwalk is bustling and the beach is right outside your door, where you can rise with the tide and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR and how I live my life every day. Oh, I'm glad to bear witness to it. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of a struggle. It sounds like you at Coachella. I'm already tuned in. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective, from Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations. There's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. Black perspectives have always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us doesn't the black experience sound like a three disc prince album we never got someone check the vault please <laughs> listen now to black stories black truths from npr wherever you get your podcasts netflix went ahead and canceled their uk promotional tour for arrested development and it is all in the wake of that controversial New York Times interview with the entire cast where they basically had Jessica Walter break down in tears talking about how Jeffrey Tambor used to verbally abuse her on set. In like almost 60 years of working, I've never had anybody yell at me like that on a set. And it's hard to, to deal with it. But I'm, I'm over it now. I just let it go right here for the New York Times. <laughs> uh, this is a woman who has worked in the industry for 60 years. And this is the only time she has ever been treated like this on a set. And you have people like Jason Bateman talking over her and trying to defend Jeffrey Tambor. The whole cast, really? Re yeah, um, except for Alia Shawkat. Right. All the men. Portia wasn't there, right? No, she no. wasn't yeah. there, no. Nor she... Liza Minnelli. That would have been something. <laughs> Portia ain't got time for that shit. I know, shit. Portia <laughs> <laughs> She kicking back with Ellen. <laughs> she has to go back to her Citadel. She's yeah. collecting her scandal residual checks, and it's like, oh, I, I'm good. Uh... So after that, Jason Bateman apologized. It was a good apology, I thought. It was a good apology, but... Did David Cross apologize? He said one's forthcoming. I love waiting for one. Oh. Yeah. We're still waiting for that? He said he's going to apologize to her in some direct way. Anyway. Oh, God. Okay. He's going to send her an edible arrangement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry you were abused on set. I just have so many questions about this entire thing. Like... First of all, I love how we've shifted all of the drama surrounding the upcoming season of Arrested Development to Jason Bateman and <laughs> how he treated Jessica Walter when we should really still be talking about Jeffrey Tambor getting fired off transparent <laughs> yeah. for sexually harassing trans actresses. It's not even in the conversation anymore. Yeah. 
the fact that the focus has so shifted away from Jeffrey Tambor, it's like the way these these men, they slither out of this, which is why I feel like I'm always saying with all of Me Too and all of that, you're like, okay, change is coming, but they just find a way. And the thing that I found most ridiculous listening to the interview was, and reading the interview, was the way that they just immediately come to the man's defense. I think they know that whatever Jeffrey Tambor did was terrible because they have said they're like, that was not okay. But the quickness with which they're just like, but. And for your mind, I don't understand this need to just immediately defend one, a dude who has a job, who is doing fine. He's not in jail. He got fired from Transparent and was quickly... Netflix was like, He's consistently cool, worked back. for 100 years. Yeah, yeah, I don't know why they feel that he needs defending. Also... Reading the interview was already kind of incendiary enough, but then I heard the audio mm. finally. First of all, it's not just that Jessica Walter was crying. She was gasping to tell that story. I mean, it was like clearly borderline traumatizing to her. And I want to give additional props. You just brought up um, Elia Shokat. She viciously was uh, kind of shot down other people talking over her and trying to normalize the behavior that led to her feeling that way. Oh, yeah, it she was, wasn't it. was it. super disturbing. My reaction to hearing the audio was Jessica Walter should never have to work with him again. Yeah, and the weird thing about the entire interview was she seemed like she was apologizing to him and trying to get their friendship back on track just because they have to keep interacting together. Right. You know, if Mm -hmm. she didn't have to interact with him, she'd be like, fuck it. Yeah. David Cross is married to Amber Tamblyn, who was like early on a supporter of Me Too and, and by all accounts is, you know, a woman who is in the movement and cares about this and has said smart things about all of these issues. And it's just, and I don't think anyone was blaming her for his behavior, but it's just the burden that these men put on everyone in their lives where she then had, he said, he's like, she sat me down and had to have a conversation with me. And he's like, I trust her and I'm listening to her and that she constantly, you know, will tweet that she doesn't agree with him and things like that. And that these men put all of this pressure on Jessica and on Alia and then on their, on, in their personal relationships, they put all of these pressure on the women in their lives to just keep their shit together. And it's like, it's so exhausting. She will always ride for her man. <laughs> <laughs> but by the way, I, I, I was never like an Arrested Development super fan, actually. But this really puts any desire for me to watch this season out. Like, I'm not going to watch it. I saw it. a lot of people who... It's sad because the season's good. I saw a lot of people who said that they were excited and are now not going to be watching. Yeah. It just it, That's the other thing about this. It puts such a bad taste in your mouth where I get that maybe some people can continue to watch like a Mel Gibson movie and not remember that he's a raging bigot. But most for a lot of people, it's hard to watch. You can't, it's hard to separate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just could not go see Daddy's Home too. And just I was do like, it. I just, I just wanted to and see a swept, daddy at home. And, it's, and it swept the BAFTAs that year, so <laughs> you're really behind. What was interesting, too, that came out of this was um, Matt Zoller cites at uh, I love that Vulture uh, wrote an article called The Cultural Vandalism of Jeffrey Tambor and basically just wrote about the fact that Jeffrey really blew his chance to even find some sort of forgiveness after the transparent stuff because Every interview he sat in, he's repeated the exact same script, you know, like he's charged with murder. Uh, (laughs) I wasn't there last night. I tell you, fellas, I wasn't there. He is basically just sort of throwing his career away by not willing to give some sort of self-reflection. Because he doesn't think he ne- That's the thing. Yeah. He is possibly right. Where if he just repeats that bullshit over and over, you know, some male director is going to be like, let's give him a shot. Let's give him a comeback film. And then he's nominated for the Oscars and everyone's forgotten. Like, we've seen this. We've seen this story before. And the sad thing is that what he's doing, there's been precedents that that will work for him. Yeah. I mean, speaking of male directors, that article includes a quote from Steven Soderbergh, who in an interview with Matt had wondered, like, you know, after the Me Too sexual harassment, um, sexual assault era moves on, are we going to move on to the people in the industry who get that sort of asshole clause? We all know, you know, having gone into the industry, that it's pretty much sort of a given, you know, that straight men just get to be an asshole. Like on set. people who scream at yeah. you are verbally abusive, etc. Yeah, they're verbally abusive, and some people just sort of take that with the job. 
you know? Right. That's it's, that's the hard edge of this biz. It's like you it's like every assistant going to work at an agency like expects their boss right. to yell and scream at them. It's kind of that bullshit too of you know, genius, like right. any way brilliance comes, like we just, we have to accept it because that's the only way we're getting brilliance. And they can't like, contain it. Yeah, it's just, they've given so many of these dudes a pass on like, even if this person is a super abusive, terrible person, but the show is good, then it's like, well, it was worth it. Look at what we got. I think people are uncomfortable holding a grudge against a guy. You know what I mean? Like this is somebody who wants to keep working and nobody has it in them just to prevent this person from getting more opportunities. You know, we don't have that in place. I can hold a grudge. No, I believe that. Um, I can, I also watch the grudge frequently. I love Sarah Michelle Gellar. That's too bad. In it. When we're back, a conversation about Star Wars with Brian Fuller. Heads up, the following conversation will contain spoilers for the movie Solo, but it's a prequel, so what's there really to spoil? We are joined by Brian Fuller. Good morning. He's created everything you've ever loved watching. Pushing Daisies, <laughs> mm-hmm. Hannibal. If I had it my way, we would just talk about Jasmine Guy and Dead Like Me for <laughs> three hours. <laughs> I would sit you down, Homicide Life on the Street interrogation style, <laughs> with just Jasmine Guy questions. There's some anecdotes. Oh, good. Lewis, there's a trap door under your seat. <laughs> I know, I'm constantly dodging it. <laughs> uh, but also, this weekend, Solo, a Star Wars story, hit theaters. And uh, everyone's been talking about its box office gross and how it's disappointing that it made $103 million. <laughs> domestic Just domestically, product, domestically, right? Yeah. Never mind the $65 million internationally. Yes, I saw it. I really enjoyed it. I did too. I I haven't met a Star Wars movie that I did not like. Mm. I really liked this movie. I have to say, I have found some Star Wars movies challenging in that the thing for me is the stakes are not always clear to me. Like, I get that the Empire is bad. I don't (laughs) fully, just because they told me. I don't fully get why they're bad. They're the Empire. So when I watch a Star Wars movie, it's just like I'm choosing to believe a lot of things. Versus when I saw Solo, I felt like I fully understood the stakes of the movie. Like I got why Han was trying to do what he was doing. I got why Lando, I got why Kiara, like everyone's, the stakes were very clear to me and it made it easier for me to be really engaged with the story. I like that Solo had a more personal story than most of, I guess, the other films. Well, except for Last Jedi. I guess. I'm surprised you guys liked it this much. I thought there were so many scenes that were cliched action scenes, but in space. Like, here's the gambling scene where someone puts down their cards and Snickers, and then somebody else puts down their cards, and it was the one possible better thing you could have in your hand. But didn't they have a gambling scene in the last one? (laughs) (laughs) I have to say also, my dad, I usually end up seeing the Star Wars movies with him, and he has not stayed awake through all of them. He turns to me halfway through this one, he was like, he, this is great. Like he was, he was loving it. So I, there's maybe something to the fact that like non Star Wars fans maybe like this movie more. It's interesting because I think a lot of the complaints that people are, at least that I'm reading online, are the the box ticking of backstory that has been available in other Star Wars material mm-hmm. that they're referencing and sort of going down a line. But I think with so much of the advanced word of mouth that was anti-Elden... Aaron Reich. Aaron Reich. Uh, that I, I looked to the white guy and how to pronounce a German name. <laughs> and uh, I did it beautifully. Uh, yes. and He's in a mock neck. He's going to say the German name, right? It's <laughs> uh, a bad circumcision. It's a mock neck. Um, I thought he was really charming. Yeah. He was good. I loved him in Hail Caesar. Yeah. And so I thought Definitely the best part of that movie. I will say, though, the Star Wars franchise keeps every white British woman who kind of looks like Keira Knightley employed. I mean, every time I see a new one on screen, I'm like, is that the one from the other movie? I just saw... They all... They Daisy, all, Felicity. They just all look exactly say, the same Amelia. to me. I was, yeah. Is her name not Felicity, not Jones? Because... Yeah. <laughs> it just... I'm like... Okay, they just really clearly like these beautiful 
British, always British. And it would be a good, I mean, I'm like, they stay employed. Thank you, Lucasfilms, I guess, for, the, for that. Um, <laughs> Star Wars and the crown. They had a brown woman in there, but they killed her. Yeah, yeah Andy. I was so and spoiler, excited. Spoiler. Oh, sorry. <laughs> we'll let if you haven't know. seen it already, then you're not a Star Wars fan. Fandy. Uh, it was really exciting to see her on screen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, then when she blew herself up, I was like, oh, okay. For, are... some, for some hashtag man pain bullshit. <laughs> yeah, she looked, she was great while she was there and uh, didn't get to stick around long. <laughs> no, and it's always it's always interesting when you get into those situations where in advance they are talking about how great it is to have a non-white person in the yeah. middle of a... Star Wars film, and then they kill her. Yeah. And it's sort of like, well, you, kill, you don't get to do both. You right. can't yeah. Yeah. And kill her. <laughs> <laughs> they did Donald, you know, Donald Glover and his capes. I felt like I was, uh, I didn't fully know who this character, guys, again, I, I rarely understand. I see the movies and I barely understand what's happening. But I was like, I believe whatever Donald Glover, I don't fully know what you're doing, but I believe it. He, he was giving it. us a sort of a rakish, a sort of devilishness in his uh, Lando yeah. portrayal. Yeah, a lot of capes. Yeah. The facial hair, you know. Sexy, though. Kind of, he was in, I feel like he was in a lot of blouses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very um, silky. Yes, very, very silky. Very flowy, silky blouses. Because yeah. he was, because Billy D. Williams plays him yes. in the later one. Yes. And, you know, uh, I, don't, I don't believe that Donald Glover uh, enjoys drinking Colt 45. No. Oh, just almost <laughs> certainly not. No. Brian, here's my question. This movie is a prequel, and it's got a lot of complaints from fans about, you know, the taking off the boxes, like you said. Your series, Hannibal, is a prequel, and yeah. people really enjoyed that. How do you feel like, as a creative, approaching something that, like, people know backstory on already? Well, I think if you're inspired, if there is something where you think this is a valid uh, angle to explore that hasn't been explored before, then I, I think it's all valid. I mean, for Hannibal, there was so much in the book that was never in any of the adaptations that I thought, oh, they missed this whole chunk over here, this whole kind of homoerotic obsession. I'm just going to leech that out and mm-hmm. see what happens. They had a bit of homoeroticness in Solo. Not enough. Well, it was like a, a suggestion of flirtation. If you're done flirting, I was like, well, if you're if, all that flirting. Let's define it a little more clearly. <laughs> Is it, isn't he supposed to be pansexual? pan-sexual? Yeah, he loves Which yeah. feels like one of those things they just... The fact that it, it, it was such a late add-on, I was like, why? Mm, I don't know how much I believe this. I get that he fucks the robot. That was clear. Yeah. <laughs> By the yeah. way, the uh, the thing with Donald Glover and that robot lady, their torrid obsession f- affair thing was very funny, yeah. I thought, because he was deeply into her and she just straight up had forks for hands. <laughs> I was like, I can't picture this at all. But And then there was that shape of water moment where the Felicity Jones lady asks her, so, d- you know, does it fit? Fit into whatever, and she goes, It does. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Speaking of like the whole Lando's pansexual thing and LGBTQ characters, you recently reacted to the Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, yeah, trailer. yeah, I got mouthy. Um, <laughs> I saw that trailer when I saw Solo, and they changed it. It's a different trailer. Did they they? Re- they removed the shot of the thigh. I, I just, your shoulder was the thigh. Oh, yeah. okay. Uh, which was a flash cut. And they also reduced some of the shots of the romance. So they pulled back on oh. suggesting romance for the theatrical version of the trailer. Because huh. I turned to the person next to me and I'm like, Did they drop some shots? And they were like, They dropped some shots. Wow. Yeah, because it originally just teased his relationships with women in the trailer. Yeah, and... there, was, there was a very subtle, but it was in a, in a staccato series of shots of mm-hmm. him like putting his hand on somebody's leg who was standing over him. And it was a little bit like Sulu oh. and Star Trek when they were like, Sulu's gay too. And it's like, mm, he just gave that guy a brotherly hug and that might be his niece, not his daughter. I don't know. <laughs> There's no suggestion of more. Correct me if I'm wrong. The band members of Queen have been somewhat insistent about not making his story too gay or whatever, yes. right? So, yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. They Or too AIDSy. Right. Oh, good mm. Lord. Yes. Yeah. Uh, which is what most people know about Freddie Mercury. Well, I think when you get into a situation where he was a very public figure who, in the gay community, knew him because he was there out and proud celebrating with gays and clubs all over the world to then pull back on all of that stuff seems like it's 
Reagan era AIDS denial. Totally. Excuse me, this was somebody who went out with Princess Diana incognito to clubs. Like, there's a lot of rad gayness to unearth yeah. here. Yeah, he smuggled know. her into clubs in drag. I want to see that movie. Totally. Me too. Or, or just the, one or, night. Just yeah. jump to that season of The Crown. Yeah. To be honest. <laughs> uh. Can I, I also did not know that he his speaking voice sounded like that. Like, his accent to me, I don't think I had ever, I didn't know what was coming and he was talking. I was like, oh, I'm into it. I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> How do you sort of then approach, uh, you know, telling queer stories in your art? I thought you did it very well, the sort of homoerotic tension in Hannibal. Um, but so many of these tentpole movies, you know, we keep getting producers, directors, you know, suggesting that there are gay characters in the universe. And then we never actually see them. I think it's a total cop-out. And I was actually really annoyed when Star Trek went a long way bragging about how Sulu was gay in this movie. And then when he went to meet his husband, he gave him a brotherly arm around and they walked away. And I didn't know if it was his brother. Or... And I think it's, it's a way to have cachet with people like us who are aware of pop culture and, mm -hmm. and take a, an active interest in it as well as playing to those who don't. And it's extra publicity for these movies, too, because if you have critics asking, you know, are there LGBTQ characters mm -hmm. in this, then they will take it and run with that, and then you just have, like, a whole week cycle of gay character in Star Wars, right. gay character in Star Trek. Yeah, uh, it's, it's similar to the Thandie Newton thing, where you yeah. think you're going expecting that you're going to be represented in some way, and you're represented for like five and minutes. And she takes and a bullet for a white guy. Yeah, it's, you don't want to think that it's that calculated, but it's hard to not feel that way sometimes that you're being a little duped. I was going to say, it's like something. that Beauty and the Beast that uh, Josh Gad's character was gay, when I believe we got a knowing glance and you know <laughs> a moment of dance that suggested queerness. Wasn't there prancing? The, exactly. There was a lot of prancing. Our staple, so yeah. they, they did right by us. <laughs> Where do you think we need to go in storytelling and trying to tell our stories. Well, it's it's interesting because you know you brought up Hannibal and for me Hannibal was an a challenge because you know just like in that television show Rise where they made the mm. gay character a straight man which pissed me off. I well no one watched it, so good. It's gone. Good. <laughs> Fuck you, Rise. <laughs> uh, the the thing with Hannibal that was I was trying to be careful with is that Thomas Harris has this character, Will Graham, who is a heterosexual man, and that was clearly defined. And so, you know, part of me thinks like, oh, is it, am I allowed to take this guy's character who he created and did beautiful work on? Am I allowed to change his, his sexuality and his orientation? And I honestly don't know, and I've had lots of conversations with Martha De Laurentiis and, and Maz and Hugh, who play uh, Hannibal and Will Graham, respectively, about you know what's appropriate for that character. I think Hannibal isn't will, will fuck anything. I think Hannibal <laughs> loves humanity, loves living Even a things. Robot. He will fuck L L seven. What's your name? Yeah, something like that in, Star yeah, in yeah, Solo. Yeah, yes. yeah, some sort of Samsung phone. Yeah, yeah, he'll fuck a Samsung phone. <laughs> uh, but I think he's somebody who loves life and appreciates it and can eroticize it and get inside it and, and make it feel good or bad. Uh, Will Graham, I don't know, but I think it, when you're in a situation where one person has such a strong sexuality and erotic draw to another character, you get into gray area. And uh, Are you guys watching Killing Eve? Oh I my God. love Killing Eve. It, it like, couldn't be better. I Sandra love, Oh, I, love, I have, yeah. I honestly think that Christina Yang is one of the best female characters I have ever seen on television. Like, when you actually look back at who she was and the way that she was just like about her work and was quick to be like, I like my job more than these dumb dudes and like got an abortion. It, like, and it was, people don't want to take it as seriously because it's Grey's Anatomy and I feel like with some of these shows that are soapier or whatever, they don't want to give them that due. But Sandra Oh, I'm like, she should have been, had an Emmy for she Grey's Anatomy. She had an Emmy for Grey's Anatomy? Catherine yeah. Heigl did. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah, go. she did. She didn't go in, and she's just she's such Madam a good Madam President actress. herself. That's right. Oh, I love her so much. <laughs> she's wonderful and killing you. And that yeah. was that's a you know when I was watching the finale and thinking, oh wow, they're going to go there. Shit, if we do a Hannibal season four, I have to up the ante. <laughs> and then other things happen. I was like, well, 
<laughs> She'll have to outfit. <laughs> Sandra Oh, also great in Sideways. Probably yes. my favorite part yeah. of Sideways. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Also great in Under the Tuscan Sun, guys, when right. she's Diane Lane's friend and she's pregnant with Addison's baby. Uh, and she comes to Italy and gets. Uh, she just. She's just, also amazing in Hard Candy. Oh, I'm just kidding. She's clipping. She's clipping roses, and, <laughs> yeah. and she looks over her shoulder. That's all she does in that movie. Yeah. In it, right? yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> but Sandra O's the neighbor who clips roses and looks over her shoulder suspiciously. The original Me Too movie. Uh, all right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, here, Brian. When we're back, keep it. Here's to the paper pushers, the rush hour warriors. And the gotta get awayers. Trade the daily grind for a place to unwind, where you can rise with the tide and roll down the boardwalk, where you can eat french fries for lunch and ice cream for dinner, where your only commute is your walk to the beach, where every day feels like Saturday. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Before we get into Keep It, I wanted to address the Roseanne shit today. So much happened after we recorded the podcast that I just felt like I had to come back and jump into a few things before we officially get to Keep It. So I guess this is our first Keep It breaking news after Roseanne fired off her racist-ass tweet at Valerie Jarrett this morning. Her show went ahead and got canceled, so she got dropped by ABC She got dropped by ICM Partners, her agents, and it's pretty much a wrap for Homegirl. ABC gave her this huge-ass microphone to amplify her racism. They knew she was racist before. They made jokes about her Twitter account at the ABC Upfronts. So it was basically like they were, you know, enjoying the fact that they had this incendiary character who was a little bit like Trump, who was a Trump voter, someone who was telling it like it is, and the is was racism and Islamophobia and calling Parkland survivors like David Hogg a crisis actor and, you know, spreading Seth Rich and Pizzagate and other InfoWars conspiracies. ABC knew all of that. It was all out there. And now she probably has an even bigger following than she used to have, you know? They got the nostalgia views, and now they got a bunch of new MAGA trolls and alt-right people who are now ride or die for Roseanne. This also isn't even the first time she called a black person an ape. Former U.S. Ambassador to the U.N. and National Security Advisor Susan Rice said that in 2013, she tweeted at her, Susan Rice is a man with big swinging eight balls. So she's always been racist. She's always been wild. Look what you did, ABC. And I hope they're proud of it. But enough of that. Let's get in the keep it. And we're back with our favorite segment of the week. It's time for Keep It. Kara, what are you keeping this week? So, it's Tuesday morning when we're recording this. And Roseanne Barr. Who? A sociopath. Tweeted. ABC's It Girl. ABC's It Girl. (laughs) uh, Was doing her usual just unhinged Twitter bullshit. And tweeted something specifically about Valerie Jarrett. 
and said the Muslim Brotherhood and Planet of the Apes had a baby equals Valerie. We know that she's an insane bigot. However, my keep it is really to the outlets that were reporting on what happened. The Hill tweeted, Roseanne Barr attacks former Obama advisor and racially charged tweet. The rap, their headline was, Roseanne rips ex-Obama aide Valerie Jarrett. Comedian uses racially charged joke. The word you people are looking for is racist. Disgusting racist tweet any adjective you want to put in front of it. Generally, we've been having a problem with calling out people and naming the behavior that they're exhibiting. Like, everyone is just like, Trump says the wrong thing. No, he lied. That's what's happening. She said something racist, and I don't know why everyone is so... She she compared a black person to an ape. It's kind of the baseline racist. That's like exhibit A of racist shit. And I don't know what you're afraid of. Do you think ABC is not going to give you access because you called their incredibly racist star racist? Also, by the way, I just want to say something about the words racially charged. I mean, truly, in headlines you'd see on websites like this, that's also how people would describe like a Kendrick Lamar BET Awards performance. When you are conflating these two things, it's disgusting. Also saying like Roseanne rips the X8. Like all of the, the words that you're using are just wrong and it's just minimizing what she's saying she gave you just the bare bones of racism and you can't even say that that's what it is you all need to get your shit together she's also going to keep doing it and so if you're going to keep saying it's racially charged or racially motivated or any of that other bullshit you are helping to facilitate what she's doing it's like you're reviewing a Sydney Portier movie. <laughs> this racially charged kiss with a white woman and a patch of blue was lurid. And I like I, I mean, I guess I don't expect a ton from the rap, but I did think, first of all, the hill. I was like, I guess they they saw Valerie and they're like, it's po- it's politics. The Not- hill is frequently trash. No, they're they are messy. You guys, we can't be doing this shit right now. Like you have just the truth doesn't matter anymore. Crazy shit is happening. You have Nazis in the streets. Like, you cannot, you have to call a spade a spade. You have to. Lewis, what are you keeping? Uh, Mine is much less significant than that very (laughs) necessary tirade. Thank you for that. It was the 50th birthday of one of my favorite celebrities this week. Can Uh, we guess who it is? Yes. (laughs) Oh, I already know who it is. And I know what he's going to say. Oh, it's it's Kylie Minogue. Oh. Who did you think it was? (laughs) There was some uh, newspaper that said that Annette Bening was still sassy at 70, but she is not 70 years old. Good Lord. (laughs) Of course she's not 70. (laughs) What idiot wrote that? Anyway. But of course, yes, it's Kylie Minogue's birthday. She and Jake Shears just did a little celebration in London. Love Jake Shears. She's 50? Yeah. Yeah. And she's four foot 11 still and like (laughs) killing it in Gold LeMay shorts. I guess most people in America know her from Can't Get You Out of My Head, that song from about 15 years ago, or her locomotion cover in the 80s. But for now 30 years, her pop music is so consistent. And I think, I, I feel she is underrated in many ways. The number one way is it's so hard to make sentiments in pop music seem sincere and her music to me has a warmth about it even when it's like the chilliest euro pop i just think she's like effervescence personified she's like poppers the person we need way more of her and she just seems like a great person who is keeping it because this is just this is just i love kylie because i I could go on about loving kylie (laughs) minogue too bitch like what's good my keep it is to america for not appreciating (laughs) kylie minogue enough lewis just every state See, let's go through every state. In the I union. love the way Lewis will twist, keep it. Just <laughs> there's something he wants to talk about, and he just works backwards from there. With who do I have to say to keep it, just so I can mention this reverse engineer? Yes, keep this, it. this yes. is why we're holding auditions, you Jim Henson puppet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you got it in there. You always get it in, though. No, like, right. Uh, someone sort of kept it, and this time it was a nation. I will say, Ira, we also had to sit through your WWE where we did not know where on earth that was going. So I brought I had to buy Excedrin immediately after. (laughs) Well, speaking of the WWE, I'm dead. (laughs) My keep it. I'm feeling a bit like Bethany Frankel this week Mm. because I want to talk about a cheater brand. Oh, I want to talk. I want to talk about the fact that. Spotify is remaking Keep It with Amy Schumer. Oh, right. Wait, it's like a pop culture and politics podcast? And the world of stand-up. Ugh. 
Don't I you have to be in the world of stand-up to talk about the world of stand-up? Well, she's not not a stand-up. Well, she stands, yes. <laughs> okay. At the grocery store. <laughs> Maybe she antiques as well. She stands to get something from a high cabinet in her kitchen. So you're feeling you're feeling the heat. You feel like she's coming for us. I'm not feeling the heat. You know, we are skinny girl, and she is tipsy girl. Okay? Uh-huh. She is Sonia Morgan's cheater brand. And they paid her a million dollars for this little podcast. Nobody's seeing her movies. We'll see who goes to listen to this podcast. Oh, my God. Shots it, it fired. Said Shots of Skinny Girl. It was like the, the tagline, pop culture and politics. Is that the issue? Yeah, you know. Is it just because she's related to Chuck? Is that why she thinks she can talk politics? My, is that yeah, what's my, happening? Right, because my thing, too, is the fact that, like, listen, Amy Schumer has made me laugh a few times. But I will say that every time she's talked about <laughs> politics, <laughs> especially on Twitter, she always sticks her foot all the way down her throat. I'm talking like stretch woman from The Incredibles <laughs> all the way down her throat. There's a foot in her intestines. Yes. Yeah. Do you know what's also interesting about her and just in general? I don't trust celebrities to be able to be critical of other celebrities. That's a problem I have. So I I welcome her podcast. I'll listen to it. But just know I'm skeptical right off the bat. Yeah. Will you? I'll give it a shot. They all want to be in demand and get booked like us. Can't Amy Schumer do what I want her to do and develop that last fuckable day sketch into a TV show? The one with Tina Fey and uh, Julie Louis-Dreyfus and Patty Arquette. That was the best thing that show ever did. I, I actually really liked Inside Amy Schumer. Or you could just go watch Book Club again. And I will, Ira, as if it needs to be insisted that I want to watch a show that's primarily ivory coats. <laughs> You could just watch Scandal. Oh, do they have a lot of ivory coats on that? Oh my that's God, Lewis, that's like it. the whole thing where she's constantly, like the first three seasons, this bitch is just in like a $4,000 white coat. Kara, you're a fool for not mentioning that earlier. <laughs> and red wine. Yes. Can I tell you something? I'm not a big fan of people chugging wine on camera. I'm a little over that. Can we get into some mezcal, ladies? How about that? A little classier, a little bit of a burn. Ira is giving us some mannequin realness right now. He's <laughs> staring Man- at Lewis. <laughs> Mannequin 2 on the move because this is the end of our podcast. (laughs) We will see you next week. (laughs) Here's to the paper pushers. Rush Hour Warriors, and the Gotta Get Awayers. Trade the daily grind for a place to unwind, where you can rise with the tide and roll down the boardwalk, where you can eat french fries for lunch and ice cream for dinner, where your only commute is your walk to the beach, where every day feels like Saturday. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.